Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Dr. Patience Adamu. And I'm Curtis Vermont. And this is The Trip, a podcast about political decision making during a racial revolution, sponsored by Fido Mobile. Stay tuned as we talk Canadian news and Black issues on a regular basis. And if you support our work to keep you informed, please subscribe. This week, we're honored to have Clarington Deputy Mayor Granville Anderson join us on the pod. He's running to be the next member of provincial parliament for Durham in the June election. Granville currently serves as a regional and local councillor for the municipality of Clarington and is the deputy mayor and chair of the Planning and Development Committee, a powerful position. He also serves on the region of Durham Social Services Committee and is a commissioner for Durham Regional Transit. Previously, Deputy Mayor Anderson was the MPP for Durham from 2014 to 2018. During that period, he served as Parliamentary Assistant to the Minister of Children and Youth Services and as the Parliamentary Assistant to the Minister of Education. Granville attended the University of Windsor, where he obtained a Certificate in Mediation Law and earned a Business Administration Diploma through Seneca College. He was elected as a separate school trustee in 2003 and was eventually elected as the chair of Peterborough, Victoria, Northumberland, and Clarington Catholic District School Board. He is the owner of Anderson Mediation Services. Anderson has lived in Clarington with his family for over 40 years, and during that time he's been actively involved in various community and social justice groups, coached sports teams, and been a member of the Rotary Club too. As a son of Jamaica who moved to Canada with his family when he was 13, it's such a pleasure to have him on the show. Welcome, Granville! Hello. Thank you, I am honored to be here, and I see you have my whole life history. <laughs> It's very Almost important to give yes. you your receipts, your flowers, yes. acknowledge all the work that you've done. <laughs> Absolutely. I am just simple Granville. I, I just leave it at that. I don't get into that stuff. <laughs> no, you, you don't have to, but I'm sure there are many around you who do. How's canvassing been for you this weekend, sir? Canvassing is it's pretty good. You know, it's, I'm pretty upbeat. Mm -hmm. And the reception has been... Wonderful. Mind you, they're good, as in anything, in any campaign, they're good days and bad days. Right. But I am happy to say it's mostly has been good days. That's so good. And that is a positive. It's, yep. it's completely different from 2018. But really, in what, so, in what sense? In the sense that people are just not well, having... people are undecided. In 2018, it would, you would hear, not this time, not mm. this time. Here, if it's not a yes, we're undecided and we're thinking about it. So it's a different tune. It's a different atmosphere. It's a different feel. Mm -hmm. Except when you run into the anti-Trudeauites for whatever reason. 
Right. You have right. to spend the time to say, look, this is provincial politics. That's federal politics. This right. is a different party. You said we have the na same name, but we really have not much to do with the policies of the federal government. Mm. And that, that works at the door? Yes. Actually, I'll go a little further and say, if you haven't you noticed that Trudeau spend more time with Ford than with than any time he spent with our leader or any, <laughs> any province. <laughs> yeah. And it's true. It's not. It is true. Yeah. 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 Well, you know what? We got plenty to discuss about the liberal plan and you were, you were speaking about a lot of undecideds that you're talking to. So hopefully by the end of that conversation, with those same people listening to this episode, they'll have made a decision. So why don't we jump right into the conversation? So the Ontario Liberals released their election platform this week, and it's a little late, but fully costed, unlike the NDP. What would you say are the most consequential proposals in it for voters? Is it moving to a four-day work week, bringing back rent control, portable benefits for all workers. Please prioritize some of the ways that the Liberal plan will assist with affordability and economic dignity. So for me, the biggest issue is really healthcare. Mm. And that was brought to the forefront through the pandemic. Right. And through the amount of people who lost their lives, their lives, which I believe didn't have to happen, especially in our long-term care home. Mm -hmm. And right here in Durham, I believe we might have bear the brunt of that in a couple of homes, like Sunnycrest mm -hmm. and Villa. Those are two that came to mind. And mm -hmm. so to me, that's the number one issue. And my conservative candidate has prefaced how well they handled the pandemic. So my answer to that is tell that to somebody who's lost a loved one or a friend in a long-term care home because they were because of lack of supervision, lack of staffing, mm -hmm. lack of PPE, and generally lack of care for uh, one of our most vulnerable sectors. So we're addressing that by investing uh, about 400,000 residents will be eligible for home care. If you want to dine dignity in your own home, mm -hmm. you should be allowed to do that. And we are now want to make sure that support is there, whether it's PSWs and nurses. Uh, I, I know in reality, not everyone can have the opportunity to go through whatever they're going through their final days in their own home. So on the other hand, we have to make it also, also safe and dignified for folks who will end up in our homes. Make sure it's safe, make sure it's secure, make sure they live with dignity and comfort as if they're, they're at home. Mm -hmm. So those are things, part of the platform that appeal to me the most. And on the subject of, of affordability, you know, of the Baccarat, although I don't like to use the term <laughs> Baccarat mm -hmm. uh, for transit, I think that resonates well with folks. And that serves two things. It's not a gimmick like a license plate, which in reality, in Doug Ford's Ontario, you can't even buy a tank of gas with that anymore. I'm not saying it's his fault why gas prices are the way they are, but I'm just using right. this for comparatively speaking. Mm -hmm. 
Right. Mm -hmm. You can't. Uh, buck a ride, and that's for that's a two year program that saves money. That's really money in someone's pocket. And that transcends into thousands of dollars per year. It depends on your mode of transportation, mm -hmm. whether it's a GO train or TTC or local public transit run by the municipalities. So that's a tangible relief. That's a tangible way of helping folks. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, it's taking 400,000 cars off the road, mm. which helps the environment. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a, it served two full purposes. The, the third one that I pushed for and I asked about and I talked about and I hear my constituent talk about is the two years that kids didn't get the education that they should, the in-person learning. Mm -hmm. uh, I know there was e-learning that, that, as you well know, that doesn't work for, work for everybody. Right. And it's not the same as in-class interaction. So I am glad the expansion of grade 13 for those who want to feel they need the need to catch up. Mm -hmm. We are bringing back the grade 13. And that has resonated very well at the doors. Mm -hmm. So those are three key planks of our platform that I am very, very, very proud of. We hear the NDP and their supporters say that, you know, the liberals had 15 years to do what they're saying they'll do now. Don't believe them. What's your response to them? You know, my my response to that is, yeah. <laughs> and in the platform, we said, you know what, we didn't do enough when it comes to long-term care home. Mm -hmm. As you know, that was deregulated by the Harris government, and we basically let the status quo remain. Right. But we did expand, and we did allow folks, and we did introduce home care. Mm -hmm. And actually, my mom was a benefit of that. Mm. It's uh, next month is five years since she passed, and she was able to die peacefully and in dignity, with dignity in her own home. Mind you, she had a lot of help from my dad and us mm -hmm. as a family. And as I said, or alluded to earlier, not everyone has the opportunity or can have the financial support to augment whatever services a government can provide in terms of, say, PSWs and nurses. So it's a program we're going to expound on. And you know what? I, I say to folks, it's time to move forward and it's lessons learned. And we are going to, and I, I said to my NDP colleague, yes, we made mistakes and we probably could have done a better job in the area of healthcare, but let's not digress let's fix it and we have a solid solution and a solid plan to fix that and to boot to show we're serious about that we have a costed plan they don't mm -hmm. so they they jumped on me because i kind of said oh pie pie in the sky plan doesn't work anymore you have to have tangible ways of letting the public know how it's going to be funded and that's when you, when folks know you're serious, when you have a funded, costed plan to present to them, a realistic right. plan, an achievable goal. Mm -hmm. So that's the difference between us and the NDP. And as I said to them, again, which is true, that NDP doesn't beat conservatives, liberals do. Even the seats they picked up the last election, if you look, they didn't pick up one conservative seat. 
So you're not going to form government if you can't win seats from conservatives. Fairly humble response, wouldn't you say, Patience? Yeah, no, that was very humble. I wasn't <laughs> expecting you to say yes. <laughs> yeah, it's great. So, uh, Granville, jumping back to, you know, Buck Ride, you said you don't like the slogan, but I think it's catchy. I think most people do. So, you know, if all goes well, if if the Ontario Liberals win the election, it would kick in this year and would run until at least the end of next year. And by the way, for those listening, monthly transit passes would go from, I mean, what is it now? I haven't even used one in a long time, but they'd basically drop from the near $200 price tag. To $40. To exactly. That's tangible saving. That's huge savings. Yeah. Now, That's right. personally, I like the plan since it would save me a ton of money with the amount of go services I use, but it's been drawing mixed reactions with some contending that the money would be better spent on increased and more reliable service. And I can say this, uh, Granville, yesterday I had to go into Toronto for a couple of fundraisers uh, as, you know, which is kind of normal. A part of the TTC was out of service. Therefore, transit buses had to be used. I don't know if you both know, but yesterday was the hottest May 14th on record here. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, it was ridiculously hot and there were long lines of people waiting for the shuttle buses and to wait for these shuttle buses or to be on them, put lots of traffic on the midtown streets of Toronto, which obviously made trips longer. It was miserable. And it was in that time that I kind of said, okay, I get why people are saying maybe we should be talking about increased service as well. So what was so the yeah, it goes hand in hand. Yes, that's that's part of our plan to boost up service. If we are saying that we want people to use public transit, we have to make it accessible. We have to make it readily available, mm -hmm. and that's where we differ. That's where we would cancel. Well, he hasn't even cost it. It's an estimate that the highway to nowhere <laughs> through farmland. You know, that money can be used to increase public transit because if, if the focus is on public transit, people will use it if they know it's reliable mm -hmm. and it's efficiently run. So we, we, we are cognizant of that fact. And that's mm -hmm. something that we are. And I, I don't know if you know, while Mr. Trudeau was handing out money to Mr. Ford, <laughs> he has given him a considerable sum to improve public transportation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would definitely have to be part of the mix too. So I'm glad that that's being discussed. I, I know that Mr. Del Duca has said he would take money, I believe from the 413 to put into schools in particular, and that would amount to about $10 billion, right? Um, that's right, schools that and- Going to transit too. And don't forget that the Ford government has taken a billion plus out of the system by canceling sticker. And I, I didn't hear too many people complaining of paying $120 a year for stickers. So so that's money that's taken out of the system. Mm. Right. And another thing is it, it's grand that you can take the 418 and the 412 for free. Mm -hmm. And we would have eventually gotten there as a government, but we would at least we, we have waited until the road pays for itself. So right now, you hear the word free, it's not really free because the money that build those highways were borrowed money. Hmm. So the taxpayers is, is still put in the bill for it. 
Since we're discussing uh, those Eastern highways, a quick question on 407. Because mm-hmm. um, a lot of folks have talked about, well, we're, we're, we're limiting or reducing tolls on, on 412, 418, whatever. Why not the logical thing, which is the 407? What, I'll explain you... that to you. Yeah, please. Because please. Mr. Harris sold off most of it, or leased off most of it to his private friends then. So we have no control over that. We have no control over how the fare is increased and that portion. So that's the portion from Pickering going west. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the only portion that we own or you own as a taxpayer is the portion from Pickering to the 150. Oh. Okay, okay. And to compound that, I don't know if you know that because nothing sticks to this guy. I think it got a little blurb or a small bit of coverage that the folks that own the portion that's in private hands, mm-hmm. they owed the province a billion dollars a few months ago and Mr. Ford waived it. So if he really care about... Yes. No. Yes. yes, he waived it. He didn't take... That's public knowledge. It didn't get... Nothing stick. So you got a small exactly. little blurb, blurb about that, but that's exactly what he did. A company that's... Spain, it's not even a Canadian company that owns it. It's Spaniards own it. Yeah. They make, I believe, I stand corrected, in excess of $20 billion in profit since they they yeah. bought it from, from the conservative government. Mm-hmm. And in surcharge, a billion dollars was owed a few months ago. You can probably Google it. It will come up. No, no, we, uh, we actually spoke about it on this podcast. Oh, we did. We spoke about how Ford waived a billion dollars. Okay, sorry. We, we spoke about we spoke about him waiving the billion, and we spoke about him potentially waiving another billion because the billion initially was from, I believe, either from twenty twenty or from last year, and then he's going to do it again. Yeah, and he just so, waived it. So yeah, yeah. you know, and folks, he get away with that stuff, and nothing sticks. It, it, you know, it's it's one of those things the challenge for me though because on that same note of what ford could have done with that billion or potentially two billion i remember reading in the toronto star that you know ford slash mulrooney should have used that scenario to force the the you know the spaniard company to renegotiate the rates at least for a temporary amount of time and so basically what That's I'm wondering right. is, is would the liberals consider doing that if they were to win? Well, it's already waived. So what are you going to do now? <laughs> if you care about the taxpayers so much and you do something like that, that is showing that you care about your rich billionaire friends and developers. And actually the 413 is just there to benefit developers. And, you know, I like developers, I like development, I support, but within reason, you have to have a balance. On the important question of housing, all parties have made commitments to increase our housing supply, but only two, uh, the Ontario Liberals and the Ontario NDP, have policies to spur affordable housing, which we know we desperately need more of. So the, the Liberals say that it will build a million, a million and a half, a million and a half new homes for the new decade, 138,000 of which will be deeply affordable homes. Why do you think this is better than the NDP plan, which calls for building 250,000 affordable units? First of all, we cost our plan. 
their plan isn't costed. So how realistic are, is that? Where are they going to get the money from to do it in the first place? Mm -hmm. Second place is we are in a position to form government. They are not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you say that based on the polling as opposed to the number of... Yeah, and you know, and on history and... And you know, so they yeah. say they say to me, "Oh, you guys are in third place." Mm -hmm. When Mike Harris won, he was in third place. When Justin Trudeau, when won. Justin Trudeau won, he was in third place. Mm. So that doesn't, to me, that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, the math matters, and we are in this not to be. <laughs> we are in this to win, to form government, not to be in opposition. Mm. And you know what? There are a lot of things I, as I tell people at the door, this election is not something you should take lightly or take for granted. It depends on what direction this province takes. It, it's it's about our future, collective future. And if the amount of damage this guy has done in four years, how could you justifiably give him another four years? Mm. And you know, I know housing is a very big issue. Right. And that came to the forefront for me. I'll tell you a little story. Mm -hmm. I got a call from a resident about two or three months ago. She called and I didn't ask her how old she she was, but she has a two-year-old. Mm -hmm. I know she said she works full-time. She's a single mother. She works full-time at Sports Check. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she called me from a shelter. Mm -hmm. The reason being, she said, so I said, why are you in a shelter? You're working full time. She said what she makes. She couldn't compete with a bidding war on rental units. I didn't know, even though there were bidding wars on rental Me units. You, got, you probably know that. Yeah. I didn't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. So I looked into that. She was at the Muslim shelter actually in Whitby. I think yeah. she's on, at another one now. And she's on a list waiting for somewhere for her and her two-year-old to move into. Mm -hmm. In Durham, we have a waiting list of 11,000 plus. Big list. On that waiting list. I, we are planning to build as a region a thousand units. Mm -hmm. That's just a drop in the bucket. Yeah. And that was dependent on funding from the province. So I said to them, if the funding doesn't come, you don't get the funding. Why are we not still building it? Because I know that the region has, what, $2 billion in reserves. Mm -hmm. And that's just sitting there so they can maintain their AAA credit rating, which I think quality of life for our residents should take priority over that. That's just my thinking. And Agreed. So I, I do know it's a crisis and I do know it's something we have to do. And I always struggle with what's affordable. It's it's a relative term, as you know. Is it 600,000? Is it, I guess, a million now is affordable in this day and age, which is ridiculous. It's, a, it's, it's unaffordable, but that's what we have to pay. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so it's a crisis and it's something that... We have to do, and as I said, our plan is costed, and that's what we think 
the province can afford at this time. It might be inadequate, but mm -hmm. at least it's something we're serious about doing. We just didn't just say it and pick a number out of thin air. Right. Well, you how, know, so how... That's, that's the fundamental difference. Are there other things in in the, 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 the your costed plan that will help today's renters become tomorrow's homeowners? Well, we are bringing back rent control. Hmm. We are going to change. We eventually we are going to what we call a living wage. Right. We are going to yeah. So that will allow people to have income, a little more income, and that should allow them to become homeowners actually i was speaking to somebody yesterday i was i had a a meet and greet and this gentleman said to me why don't we control the market by i never thought of this he said whatever a home is listed for mm -hmm. that's what the real estate agent gets so that kind of made sense he says then you would have them not inflating prices and creating these fictitious bidding war because they know they're going to get their commission will be what the home is listed for yeah i feel like that so, or just removing bidding wars altogether would solve the same problem no yeah yeah so he said that may be an answer mm -hmm. yeah to get in house prices down Mind you, there's an alternative answer, which is a very bad alternative because the higher interest rate goes, then that will bring prices down because a lot of these inflated homes, folks won't be able to afford them. But that's a cynical and a sad way to look at it. Yeah, and we don't want to slow down the economy either. No, so that's a way to bring prices down is to increase interest rates, but that can be a bad outcome too for others. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The Bank of Canada is saying they're going to probably increase the interest rate to 3% within a year, and it could go higher even if, basically if needed. Um, so, I mean, that's a different conversation, though. We'll see how that plays out. As we know, uh, hate crimes across Ontario rose during the pandemic, especially toward Black Muslim, Asian, and Jewish Ontarians. On this podcast, we've discussed many of the worst of these racist instances, including the mowing down of the Afsal family in London in the summer of 2020, and Doug Ford's sorry response to it. With this context, what do, you, what do Ontario Liberals propose to make Ontario safer and more inclusive for Black and racialized Ontarians? That's a good question, and that's a tough question mm. and I don't think there's an easy fix I think we have to start that from elementary high school through education we have to probably infuse more do a little bit about work on our curriculum mm -hmm. to make sure that there's content a lot of black contents and let folks know that black people do contribute. Black people are just as worthy and should be as valued as any other member of society. Mm -hmm. As folks like you show every day. And so we have to start there. I am on the diversity task force at the region and we talk about things that 
hate and it, 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 it's ugly and it's polarization and a lot of this I think what goes on across south of the border has contributed to that here maybe it was always here but it's more emboldened now in the Trump era oh yeah certainly with convoys and so on yeah so in forth. the Trump era and I go to door and you know it exists I see these flags and yeah and I see folks standing up behind supporting folks that show up at a rally with confederate flags and swastikas yeah and when when Trudeau try to address that or try to move he's taking away their freedom I don't think that's freedom mm -hmm. I don't think that's what freedom should mean mm -hmm. and so we'll provide more education we'll provide which we started and Mr. Ford government, I know Michael Coda headed up. I forgot the name of what it was. The, um, the anti-racism directorate. Yeah, yeah, right. And they scrapped that. So we're going to bring that back. Mm -hmm. I had a brain cramp there for a moment. <laughs> we all do. We're going to bring that back and we're going to work with the black community and take a look at our caucus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I understand that there's... Um... There are plans to refresh the anti-black racism strategy from 2017. Right. I mean, in education, which you kind of spoke on, you're looking to provide quite a bit of a decent sum of money to amend the curriculum, like you said. We have one of the most diverse, talented Slater candidates. I don't know if you have, you have taken a look at it anywhere. Yeah. We can stand up anywhere to anyone when it comes to that. Spe speaking of, of race issues, Sticking on this for a moment, what did you make of our education minister, Stephen Lecce, running <laughs> slave auctions while he was a student at Western University in 2006? And I, I, I honestly say this not to be facetious because, of course, we had Prime Minister Trudeau who. That's right. Wore black and I'm not, you know? So, what, what do you take of all this? I'm not going to defend him. And folks will say, actually, my daughter and I had that discussion. Hmm. She said, oh, you never said anything when Trudeau, I did. Mm. And I didn't think it was right then, and I don't think it's right now. Right. Good. And then you're going to say, which is worse, blackface or mock slave trade? They're both the same. Which is, which is really worse? They're both bad. They're both bad. <laughs> but to me, I think what led you, he is in charge of education yeah yeah where we're having conversations about streaming and how that is affecting black yeah yeah so <laughs> he's in charge of education of young people so you would expect better of him and you know what we all make mistakes in life we are not none of us is perfect but mm. sometimes there have to be consequences i'm not saying he shouldn't run but at least say he shouldn't be in charge of education for instance that's my take on it. I think it's really interesting you say that because I think back to an interview that Patience and I did with parents of black children. I don't know mm -hmm. if you know that advocacy group, but one of the things that we discussed was that they effectively received a reception from Leche that they didn't think they would, mm -hmm. uh, so much so that, in fact, they were, at that time, I think that was back in 2020, right? They were considering yep. going conservative. 
Um, yeah. So I, I think it's interesting. Uh, the I guess for me, the only reason I'm not more angry with Stephen Lecce is because I know that he has been fighting his party to do what we've asked, but this undermines it. This undermines it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is, that's really not a good reflection. I'm surprised that both of you think that this is the same as, as the blackface incident and, and not, don't think that this is just a little bit worse. <laughs> Probably I, it might be. What do you, what are your thoughts? Well, my, my, my thoughts are that the act of, you know, enslavement of human beings it's is is so incredibly dehumanizing and it's, it's it's supposed to be this part of canadian history that we shy away from but then you're 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 like humiliating the the, the people who who are the descendants of folks who actually you know were were bought and sold in that way but also you're um you're making light of something that we 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 don't even talk about like it's it's so I find it so preposterous, unacceptable. Uh, I I think it's way worse than than the the, the black. Yeah, and on beyond dehumanizing, it was brutal. <laughs> there was a lot of suffering and pain and anguish associated with that. And then you see people online saying, "Oh, well, he did it for charity." That's even worse. (laughs) It's a how do you justify how do you justify that? Honestly, yeah, you can't. You cannot. It it would be it would be better if they said, "Well, he was young and he made a well, he was was young and dumb." It wasn't that young. It's always he's young when when he's in university running a slave auction. It's never he's young when he's smoking weed and gets taken to, to jail. Just saying, I'm done. Okay, all right. <laughs> just... Let out. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm just saying. Young has different uh, meanings, right? When we're like, what do you mean young? Yes. How is that young? Yes. Well, anyway. that's that's maybe a better excuse than said. Well, he did it for. Charred and not. Oh that yeah, is. that's so bad. Like, yeah. Oh. it's it's inexcusable. Sure. Yeah, in sure. any event, but you don't. How do you justify that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so pivoting on to our next question. <laughs> <laughs> Since 1963, Ontario's leadership has countered the federal leadership with liberal federal leadership leading to conservative provincial leadership. Uh, It seems like Ontarians like a bit of balance, you know, red at the top, blue in the middle, or blue at the top and red in the middle. Uh, This resistance to have both levels of government from one party seems to be in play again during this, this upcoming election. What message will Ontario liberals focus on to make Doug Ford a one term premier? You know what? I Doug Ford is a different animal, as you know. Yeah. Doug Ford is not a leader. And in my estimate, I don't like to disparage somebody a leader of my province. Mm-hmm. But there's an article in the Washington Post. I don't know if you saw it. No. A couple of weeks ago. No, I didn't see it either. And it referenced him. And I believe I stand corrected if I think they call him a buffoon. Oh, boy. <laughs> 
Well, they have yeah, been calling him and his brother that for years, haven't they? Yeah. So when uh, mind you, they had Trump, so that's kind of rich, but yeah, true. They were saying until you elected a buffoon, and then they went over the list of failures that has occurred under his watch. Mm-hmm. So, folks, it's a different time. It's a different type of leader, and I, I don't know if it's a something that Ontarians consciously do, but it has happened a few times that they have opposing party at the federal and the provincial level. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't change in a place like Alberta. It's except for a blip. It was always conservative, doesn't matter what the government. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe you can't get well Trudeau is no friend really no friend of the provincial government anyway, if that's what they're going to say they're chummy. We're sure not chummy with our federal cousins at the moment. So people have to make a choice outside the norm and say, look, Doug Ford is detrimental to the well-being of this province. Mm. And I'm not even saying this because I'm probably, those who know me, I'm probably one of the least partisan person. There is. I hear you. But people have to think long and hard. Do you really want another four-year of Doug Ford, irrespective of who is leading the federal government. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think the question is, we cannot have, uh, this province cannot survive another four years of Doug Ford. Strong word. We can't survive another four. That's right. Let's say that that, that Doug Ford still wins, but uh, the Ontario Liberal Party is the official opposition, which trusted poll aggregator 338 Canada suggests will be the outcome of the election. Would you be one of the Liberal MPPs to push for a coalition with the NDP to end Doug Ford's premiership? You mean if there's a minority? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I don't know if you know, both parties are on record same saying no. that they would, ne- they would yeah. never support a Doug Ford government. Yeah. Oh, say, okay, yes. Even, yes. If he wins the, even if he wins the most seat of all three, as long as they, we have the majority combine more seats mm-hmm. he'll never be governing so the only way he'll remain premier is if he wins a majority that that's on record mm-hmm. mm. i guess i i hear i hear Stephen del duca speak a little more softly about this issue saying he's more he's willing to work with anybody uh you know on, on, essentially on liberal pol- uh priorities uh, we had, uh, you know, Dr. Jill Andrew last week, along with Fazel Hassan, uh, effectively say the same thing. I, I know that Andrea is a bit, uh, Miss Horvath is a bit more, she has a bit more of a hard line. So I'm just wondering if you feel that same way about not. Yeah, I personally do. You personally do, eh? You're one of those. I do. I don't think, how do you work with Doug Ford? Oh, well, sorry, to, to be clear, we're, we're asking about the possibility of the liberals and NDP working together, not not you working with the conservatives. Yeah, that's something that's down the road. If we are aligned on some things, as you know, mm-hmm. a lot of things. A few, quite a few things. So that, that possibility is, yeah, I, w- I per- wouldn't rule it out. Mm. Okay, good to hear. If it's going to get rid of Doug Ford, I would con- seriously consider that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A, B, C, one, two, three. So, Granville, you're, you're, of course, seeking to be the MPP for Durham on June 2nd. 
what would you like to say to the voters in your writing? And, and why should they give you another shot since your last election? As I have said to a voter, I welcome the idea when a voter says, okay, I'm going to do my research. I say, by all means, do your research. Mm -hmm. Because I was the member back in 2014. And I, over those four years, in spite of what Mr. Ford is trying to do, the GO train was a part of my doing my hard work. It was funded. It would have been up and running to Curtis and Bowmanville with two st other stops in Oshawa by next year. Mm -hmm. They did nothing. They, they stalled it. Now they're saying they'll build to Oshawa, right? And suddenly, on the eve of an election, it came to life again, and they're taking credit for it. But folks know that it was hard work, including Stephen. That's why, with the support of Stephen, that we got the GO train approved. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. budgeted, was in the budget. They have it in a budget now that hasn't, it's not really a budget because it hasn't really been passed. It's an election document. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, the Bowmanville Hospital, at least they haven't taken full credit for that. That's going ahead. That's part of my four-year legacy. Mm -hmm. Hospice to, we have a hospice in Bowmanville, one already opened in Port Perry. The one in Bowmanville is about to turn sad any day now. That's something I worked hard on. Mm -hmm. There were long-term care home beds for Bowmanville that they they stalled. Then they announced that they were going to do more beds. Right now, that has stalled. Nothing has been done. Mm -hmm. And I am the experienced candidate, the candidate that spent most of my life in the community. I guess mm -hmm. you relayed mm -hmm. most of my history in this community. Mm -hmm. And my parents were teachers in this community. So I grew up in this community and I fight hard every day for each and every resident, irrespective of their politics. Mm -hmm. And I want to continue to do that. I want to continue to build and what I started four years ago. That's why if you look, if you have seen my lid, it says, let's get Durham back on track. Mm -hmm. And I, I can put my record up. As you know, when I won here, it was really, except for one term, I believe was conservative. That's right. That dominated here. And if you put my four years up under their rule for 20 years prior, or 20 years after, and see what, has been done or what has been accomplished in this writing i can put my record up any day as a counselor as a school board trustee as an mpp my record is solid mm -hmm. compared to anybody else and i number two is i am the only local rest of the major parties i am the only resident of of the writing mm. that's running here so that's a big deal. The others are parachuters, eh? Yeah. They, they had a parachuter before that beat me, well, in the one-off election. Nobody ever heard from her. She never answered an email, never answered a text, <laughs> never really accomplished anything in four years. So, you know, folks do have a choice. And as I said to folks, you know what? Do if I'll take it any day if somebody says, "Oh no, I'm can," but you know when somebody say, 
I'm going to do my homework. I genuinely welcome that any day. And with somebody with your record, it makes sense why. So, Granville, we want to thank you for joining us to share excerpts of the Ontario Liberal platform ahead of the June 2nd election. We hope you're successful on the campaign trail, especially since the former conservative incumbent isn't actually seeking re-election. Okay, and thank you for having me. And I believe it was a fun discussion. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. You've just listened to episode 86 of The Drip, sponsored by Fido Mobile. And we're so thankful for their support, which amplifies important discussions like these in the fight against anti-Black racism. We're releasing pods on a regular basis, so subscribe to stay up to date. You can also keep up with us on our Instagram and through our Patreon pages dedicated to the podcast. Follow us or support us at The Drip T.O. We love our many listeners, but a message specifically to our Black listeners? We hope that you know that this is a safe space for you. So if you have any feedback or questions, feel free to slide in our DMs and let us know what's up. We'd also like to give a special shout out to Toronto's very own Be On Location for the sounds you're hearing now. You can find more tracks from him wherever you get your music. Thanks again to Deputy Mayor Granville Anderson for joining us. See y'all next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.